You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Profound concept because I just assumed people were there to win cash and make it, you know, win the big jackpots and, uh, you know, retire. But it really wasn't about that stuff. For, for so many, it was just about buying time, being able to stay there. I mean, this is only a 10-minute film, which is quite extraordinary, uh, but you are able to get across the uh, sense that uh, these are ordinary people and also a real um, compassion for someone who is in this situation, which is uh, like a lifeline. Yeah. You get the, the, the pacing is it's like a lifeline that's been... Um, thrown out to them i think we really wanted to do that and again it comes back to the even the selection of uh claudia carbon for the voice um is my our preconception uh and misconception was that it was you know a, a real division of oh well it's mostly people from lower socioeconomic areas or backgrounds or you know perhaps not as highly educated that that's a pretty a pretty wide misconception by by a lot of us, I mean, including including myself, but we we found that it would take hold of absolutely anybody, regardless of you know race, religion, creed, you know social status, whatever uh, whatever labels you want to chuck at it. Family situations, absolutely, and it was all walks of life. I mean, I mean, one of one of the participants, uh, you know, reached the highest levels of education that you can possibly achieve, and uh, yet still found themselves. Um, swept in swept into the muck so we wanted to make sure that the film represented that actually it was a true reflection of the the everyday folk that we were chatting to you know you must have worked with a team did you because uh, who did the actual uh, animation did uh, the visualizations because i noticed people didn't have faces yeah that's right so we worked with an animation team so i'm not an animator i don't draw but often you'll sit together with um, the animators and the directors of animation, and obviously you're uh, trying to, you know, draw on references, and you know, I suppose the director or producer's role will be to glean uh, a whole bunch of different reference images and style images, and you're almost creating a bit of a colour board or mood board. You know, you might come together with the animators, and and that's kind of where the the fun really starts. You're not only hiring them as animators, but uh, often as collaborators because they're bringing some really wild ideas to the table and then you'll start storyboarding it out together they might come back with a few um, example uh, sort of color boards or uh, or characters you know it's just a bit of fine tuning after that and uh, you know before you know it they're uh, locked in a dark room yeah. <laughs> and, um, and animating and they're just you know it's kind of a it's kind of a marvel to to watch because uh, you know every animator is different and they'll uh, put their own spin on things. But in in my experience so far, it's, you know it, it always it always is um, to the benefit of the project. You know, working with different animators who also have a real investment in the creative and not just sort of um, animators for hire. Yeah, yeah. How, how long did it take this film? How long did this film take? I, I suppose it took about a year of part-time work. So it's really hard to come arrive at a number often in the independent filmmaking world. We're working on a number of projects. Um, 
uh, you know, often by necessity, but and and doing other part-time gigs and you know trying to feed ourselves. Um, but so it was part-time for about a year or so. Uh, once you've got your interviews and once you have your script after that and the ideas for how you want it to go, a lot of that time you you step back and you know the animators will be doing their thing and you might only be checking in with them from time to time to uh, you know offer some feedback or tinker with things or or you know provide any kind of support you can it really it's about how long were you thinking about it how i mean because it, it takes up space in oh the yeah line. for years i mean yeah. i think yeah i've been wanting to make um a film on this particular subject matter for you know about five years or so but even i remember in general the the pokies kind of bothered me from way back yeah i, I think that it, every film sort of takes a bit of a a, a uh, a hold on you but you know I had family members and friends that got swept up into this many years ago and um, forevermore and um, you know it's always sort of been a bit of a bee in my bonnet you know um, intentionally robbing people essentially I mean that, you know, if we think about it that's what's going on you cannot win and everybody everybody in the industry knows that all everybody in the venues knows that um, mostly the people who do not know that are those who get swept into the addiction. Looking for an easy way to keep up with your annual 3CR subscription? You can now set up an annual debit from your bank account or credit card and once a year your payment will be automatically deducted. You can cancel at any time and you'll get a reminder each year before payment. Be a constant supporter of Melbourne's precious independent community radio station and set up a recurring payment today. Just go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe. You're with Annie on Showreel and uh, we're talking to Shabi, uh, director of uh, the short film, Bright Lights, The Perils of the Pokies, which is now on the Guardian documentary website. Let's continue with our conversation. Tell me you've had a great success. It's on the Guardian documentary website, and I was wondering how that process happened. It happened by Screen Australia backing the film and deciding it was something worthwhile which gave us the you know obviously the budget and the support to go ahead and make it and then about three quarters of the way through the process when we had a bit of an assembly edit uh, and a temporary voiceover in there and you know it started to look like some kind of film we sent it to the guardian via an introduction uh, and they sent it to their documentary team and they you know saw value in it and obviously it aligned with their sort of centre-left type of um, politics and, you know, it's a social impact film, uh, although it's it's just a story of, of someone getting swept up into that addiction, it just naturally fit into their, what they're on about. And um, so, yeah, it has been great because because we can't always reach the, the kinds of audience that those big journalistic media outlets or websites can generate. So to have it in, in their hands, I think, um, yeah, was a was a bit of a win because... We just want to get it to as many individuals and organisations as possible. And, and I think that gives it 
a, a bit of added credibility. And how do they pay you? What, what's what? How does that work? Or do they pay you? Oh, right. Um, well, this one's a bit different. We have another film with The Guardian that is a commission called uh, Life After Juvie. And that one was drawn up as a commission. So that, that, that one's a, a partnership with Screen Australia Film Vic and uh, The Guardian, and they share the cost. Um, and But this one was an acquisition. So after the film had already been made, we agreed on uh, you know a license rather than handing over of the rights. And... Um, and you know, for an agreed amount, they they acquire a license rather than so it's it's much smaller. It's more of a stipend than a than you know commissioning the whole film and paying for the whole film. Yeah, look, I I don't want other filmmakers listening to this uh, to think that you know that's going to uh, feed them yeah. for, <laughs> for any any amount of time. But certainly, I would be advising to go down the uh, commissioning route because. It is slightly more lucrative, but um, you know, still, still not something you're probably going to live off or pay your rent off. They changed the ending because they didn't want it to be uh, so. Have it, yeah, yeah. I, I actually thought the. Uh, well, I mean, it works on the Guardian side, but okay. but yours is far more compelling. I'll have to say. <laughs> yeah, thanks, honey. Yeah, like I mean, that's a that's a real tricky one. You know, um, we were asked that. Uh, to change the ending because of um, allusions to suicide. And I mean, the fact of the matter is that we, you know, the folks we spoke to all had a brush with with wanting to end things um, or even attempting to or suicide ideation or follow through or, you know, that was a very common a discussion as part of the interviews. And obviously it made its way into the, the film festival cut of the film, which runs 14 minutes. You know, once they had sent things to their legal team and they got advice around that, um, although we had taken our own advice as well, which, you know, was probably not as conservative as, as theirs, but I can understand they're a big, big outlet. Yeah, we, we, we decided to play ball um, and decided that it was a, that trade-off was an acceptable one, especially given the platform it was going to be on. But yeah, we... We, how do we say it? We uh, made the ending a little more palatable uh, and removed any gentler. potentially harmful. Gentler. Um, it was feelings. just gentler. gentler. Let's yeah, call yeah. it that. Yeah, gentler. It's it... gentler. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, and that, and that version still exists. And, you know, we also negotiated that um, we'd release that longer version, you know, with the right safety framing, I guess they call it, um, and, and content warnings and make sure people have numbers to call if they're feeling feeling uh impacted by by the film um so that'll that'll still come out the fuller the fuller version at, at some point but we we decided to give the guardian version a little bit more of space to breathe and um and you know i i think i think we're still pleased with that with with that outcome just because uh again if we think back to why we even made the film it's it's absolutely to try to ha- you know enter the conversation on this subject matter and and the, and the guardian has allowed us to do that to a much larger extent than we would have otherwise so tell me have you had reactions from the people who uh you talk to uh about the film you know the, the people yeah. the people who are involved yeah yeah it's been a real mixed bag you know um some folks you know because the, the truth of it is we interviewed people in 2017 18 
And with some of those people, it was no more than an hour or two hours of a sit-down audio recorded interview. And that was the last we ever spoke. And for others, it was much more of a you know friendship or an ongoing um, relationship. Uh, so it's a real mixed bag on that front. But obviously, I've sent the film to all of the participants and some of whom have been sort of really chuffed by the by the telling of the story and that it's really captured, you know, part of their experience. They could even hear some of the lines that they uh, said all those years ago. You know, and others have been, although really pleased with the film, also really confronted by it because it offers them a moment, I suppose, of quiet reflection or and and I can understand why it would be confronting to them to see it in this kind of format, you know. I mean, that's one of the reasons for why you made it. Yeah, and I suppose, uh, I supp- yeah, I can absolutely understand. Um, and, and I mean, having said that, there are definitely some people who I may never, uh, never hear from uh, just because life may have changed or actually uh, this sort of leads to the question, um, like leads back to the question that you asked before, which is... Um, some people may not necessarily be out the other side and sometimes there isn't the other side uh, because almost everyone we spoke to had many, many, many relapses over time and they don't, even after 25 years or 20 years or 15 years of, of this kind of addiction, uh, don't necessarily feel like they're out of the woods even if they haven't gambled for a year or two years or three years. Um, so I think the film actually, for some of the participants, held up a bit of a mirror to perhaps where they are right now and it may not be in in um you know and and, and hence the lack of a hollywood ending you know it kind of ends a little little abruptly and um it's because we didn't want to tie it up nicely because it just isn't a nice ending for most um harm minimization absolutely can work um you know limiting cash withdrawals, limiting um, the amount per spin, which is frankly still way too high, um, you know, opting out or, but again, that doesn't always work. Even people who've opted out, um, if, you know, can still just turn up and play and just undo that opting out very quickly, you know, but we want to see much more information passed on to, to users of these machines so they can fully, fully understand uh, the design and uh, the fact that they're very unlikely to win, uh, that overall the house will always win, and that the spins are predetermined. Um, there's no way of blowing on your finger or blowing on the button and, um, and, and tapping the button in a certain way that actually it's one of the only forms of gambling that the outcome is already determined before you bet. It's already programmed into the machine. There's just no chance of winning. You may walk in. You may walk in when when that number is coming up on a machine and and um, and get sort of you know lucky if if that's the right word. But uh, no, the the machines will win. They're designed. They're absolutely designed to take in way more money than they give out. It's almost the worst thing that can happen to you in that you know first alliance or you know. I, I think I spoke to someone who. Uh, you know, found a two dollar coin on the on the on the pub floor and thought, Oh, here's my lucky 
my lucky day, I'll just put it in that thing over there, that lighting up machine over there. And before they knew it, they, they I think they'd won, um, you know, 80 or 90 bucks. And, and, and again, that 20 years later, they were in big trouble. Yeah, big trouble. Um, just to finish off, uh, do you know how, how many hits the film has got on the Guardian site? Yeah, I think it's probably, I think it's hit about 15,000 on, um, on YouTube alone. Uh, so they've, they've, you know, posted on various, uh, various places. But I think the YouTube um, is one of the only ones we can see the numbers. Um, I think that's about fifteen thousand in under a week, you know, five or six days. And and again, we we just can never match that kind of volume. And the good news is it stays on there for a long time. So even when we're reaching out to community partners or organisations working in the space and harm minimisation groups and advocates that, um, you know, we can point them straight there and it will be there for a, a very long time. But, you know, we, we, we want to run the numbers up so that it's a, a very shareable uh, bit of education or, you know, even from a creative point of view, we'd love to have the film seen. But, um, you know, it's the right platform for it. So I think the, the more the merrier at the moment because uh, it seems that one gets five and five gets ten, you know, people start moving the film around you know it has its own life good on you shabby and more strength to your arm very good film and good uh, good thing to be doing oh thanks so much and thanks for the chat Annie. life is much too short to sit and wonder who's gonna make the next move And we'll slowly pull you under When you've always got something to prove I don't want to wait a lifetime Yours or mine Yours or mine you see me reaching for the lifeline Your lifeline Your lifeline Your lifeline The lifeline You say that I misheard you But I think you misspoke I hear you laugh so loudly While I patiently await the joke I don't want to wait a lifetime Not yours not mine Can't you see me reaching for the lifeline The lifeline The lifeline Your lifeline Your
with only victims We're all laid out in a row And it's hardest to listen To what we already should know I could hold out for a lifetime Yours or mine Yours and mine Can't you see me reaching for your lifeline You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.